Welcome to Keep the Republic with Dr. Daniel Bobinski, editor of True Idaho News. Keep the Republic is brought to you by the Political Action Committee Conservatives of Picture Perfect Window Cleaning, Michael Hahn, Associate Broker with Silver Creek Realty Group, and thinkexodus.org. And now, here's Daniel. Well, hello and welcome to Keep the Republic. Dr. Daniel Lobinski here. Thanks so much for tuning in. On today's show, we have Fred Birnbaum from the Idaho Freedom Foundation as our special guest to talk about what's happening at the State House. There's just a few weeks left in the session, we hope. Uh, there's lots of stuff going on. There's lots of stuff in the news regarding Idaho. And unfortunately, I think we have kind of a lame legislature that doesn't want to do what the constituents want, what the people, the voters of the state want. So Fred's going to be talking with us about those kind of things. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Think Exodus, the Exodus Institute. You can go to thinkexodus.org. It's an online school with two options. You got full K-12 program. You want to take your child out of public school, away from the wokeness, be learning real academics from real teachers, real Christians, without all the wokeism, go to thinkexodus.org, the full K-12 option. They also have an enrichment program for 5th through 12th grade, whereas if you're already homeschooling and you want some supplement, you can do that. It's only 20 bucks a month. You can cancel any time. Like I said, thinkexodus.org. Check them out. I also want to give a shout out to Picture Perfect Window Cleaning. Tom Lopak is the owner. And if you want clean windows, they are the people to call. They also do gutter cleaning, screen repair, pressure washing, and free estimates for your home or business. Uh, give Tom a call at 401-6265. Of course, that's area code 208-401-6265. And tell him that you heard about it on the Keep the Republic show, and you're going to save either 10% off your bill overall or $50 off any window cleaning job over $250. Your choice, whichever is greater, just tell him about the Keep the Republic show to get that savings. Again, that's picture perfect window cleaning. All right. Uh, with us, as I promised, is Mr. Fred Birnbaum. The, you're, you're, Fred, what's your official position with Idaho Freedom Foundation? It's Director of Legislative Affairs. And thank you for joining me here on the show. You've been down at the State House the past couple of months watching the chaos occur. There's <laughs> lots of crazy things happening. But just off the top of your head, what are some of the highlights that have happened so far? Thank you, Daniel. This is my ninth session. And um, remember the movie Groundhog Day, when you wake up to the same reality over and over. And and sometimes it feels that way at, at the Idaho legislature. Part of the problem that we have is we do not have a conservative governor in the sense that a, a man who's inspired by conservative ideas and ideals, he's really more of a technocrat who just wants to manage the government and, of course, grow it and feed the various bureaucracies. I mean, he's not an inspired leader. And because of that, the way he likes to operate after he gives his state of the state is that he does all this wheeling and dealing behind the scenes with the House and Senate leadership. And that's and actually that was sort of how Butch Otter was at the end of his last term. So that's the background. The governor lays out his vision and then he works behind the scenes and you hardly ever see him. You know, he's not 
in the media a lot. And really what he started with other than a, well, he started with a Michael Dukakis, if I can bring back a name from the past, that was the Democrat who ran against the elder Bush in 88, I believe. And he was trying to reframe all the government spending as investment. And that's how Brad Little is now. He's a Dukakis Democrat. We need to invest more in education, invest, invest, invest. And just to put it in perspective, in fiscal year 20, the state appropriated $9 billion. And this year, fiscal 24, the governor's asking for $14 billion. Wow. From $9 billion four years ago to $14 billion. Your listeners can do the math. That's a, that's a Democrat-style increase. Billions from fiscal 29 billion, fiscal 24, four years, 14 billion. So, so he, I could so in four years, he's increased our budget five billion dollars. Yeah, and I, I can go reach into my bag here and pull out my HP 12 calculator and give you the exact percentage what that is. Uh, maybe I should do that for your your listeners. That's that is a huge, huge increase. And I, and and yet he ran as a conservative, right? That's a, over fifty five percent in uh, in four years. So obviously, you know, it's it's well over ten percent a year. It's over twelve percent a year. So that's that's sort of the backstop. the The other thing that the governor is doing. So he led off with House Bill twenty four, and that was the Idaho Launch Grant. And if you remember in the special session. They appropriated another $410 million for education, and they also cut taxes, which was good. And we have a flat rate of 5.8. Well, he's now saying that we should take this launch grant, this $80 to $100 million, and basically the governor wants his Workforce Development Council to pick the in-demand careers. So these are people reporting to him, and he they pick the in-demand careers, and then high school graduates who would enter the workforce after some college or technical training could access $8,500 a piece if they applied that money to the training in the jobs described by the Workforce Development Council as in demand. And guess what? One of his contributors needs welders and the sponsor of the bill said, Mr. Sayer needs welders. This bill is going to help him get welders. And so really what you have is a situation where money, taxpayers' money, is being given to prospective employees of big companies, and the taxpayer is going to pay to train them so that the big companies don't have to train them themselves. And that bill passed by one vote in the House. Interestingly, it passed with... um, most of the new, many of the new members voting for it. And the governor did the one-on-one sweet talk. And interestingly, the senior members, even the ones who are moderates, so you were talking center-right to conservatives, all voted no. Mm-hmm. And the senior members were no, because they saw what it was. It was a crony deal passed by one vote. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've had several conversations with legislators on this particular bill. and. All of them told me that, as you had just alluded to, that the governor was calling these freshman legislators into his office 
you had legislators who were adamantly against House Bill 24. And they came and they came out of that office meeting with the governor in favor of it because they were told by the governor that he would sign their legislation if they supported his bill. Now, that's not my understanding. That's not illegal, but it is highly unethical, in my opinion, and in the opinion of these legislators with whom I spoke. Something else that aligns with that bill is Rule 80 in the House says that when you have a conflict of interest, that you need to declare that in the committee. If you're testifying for or against something, you need to declare that you have a conflict of interest. And you also have to declare it on the House floor. Well, apparently, Lori McCann, representative uh, from up north, she is on the Workforce Development Council. She's appointed by the governor to be on this Workforce Development Council. And she was told by a senior legislator, look, you need to declare that there's a conflict of interest here. You're on the Workforce Development Council. You're going to be telling who gets this money and where it goes. This is a conflict of interest. And she looked at this particular senior uh, representative and said, no, I don't. And I will not. That's how flagrant this was. So this is unethical. This is this whole thing just reeks. And I'm very ashamed that we have these people who call themselves Republicans when they're really just Democrats. Good points. And uh, Representative McCann, if you look at her voting record, it's largely indistinguishable from Democrats. And she actually introduced a bill that um, it, it yeah, this is I just have to smile and saying this. So it was a bill that would provide free feminine hygiene products to girls, women, young women um, attending school. In other words, they can't afford them. So we're going to provide them to everyone. And it was nearly a million dollars, like 700,000 ish, some of the exact amount to buy the dispensers and provide them for free. And that's a Democrat notion that, you know, the government just gives you stuff. I mean, yes, those are essential, but, you know, so is toothpaste, so is soap. And is the government going to buy all of our toiletries? And that was McCann's bill. She actually tried to introduce it in House said, and there were some problems with it. So she she took it back because some people were concerned about whether these would be in the men's room as well as the women's room, because we now have men who think they're women and women think they're men. And the, the dispensers, would they only be in the women's room? That seemed to be a bigger concern for some legislators than why is the government providing toiletries to people? So that, yes, so we we have a lot of people notionally who were elected as Republicans, but think like Democrats. They believe in redistribution. They believe in programs. But let's move on from so you have the House Bill 24. It did take a beating. It passed by one vote. And so it's sort of been subsumed in the Senate. They haven't figured out what to do with it. It hasn't emerged. You know, they realize that it's not ready for prime time. Yeah, I've heard that. I, in fact, I've heard that they're also uh, they know they don't have enough votes to pass it in the Senate and that the Republicans in the Senate are caucusing every day. They're calling a caucus meeting to beat them up and try to get them to pass it. That is just another unethical thing. So the Senate typically has used the caucus process because it's shielded from open meeting. So because it's a caucus, meaning just a party action and not a committee. So in other words, if a if the House or I'm sorry, if the Senate Education Committee met privately, that would be 
against Idaho law, right? Because they'd be conducting committee business in private. But if just the Republicans meet, and if they don't constitute a majority of the committee, they can do that. But as a caucus, that's considered a sort of a, a party thing. It's not a committee thing. So the Republicans, who are 28 of the 35 senators, which is obviously a supermajority, they, what they do is they meet and then they try to smooth over the, dis, the dissidents and legislation. And they, they basically try to essentially debate in private and uh, mollify people to get them on board for House Bill 24. And they haven't been able to yet, but the governor made this a big priority. So it's a prestige thing for him. Yeah. Well, it's also, uh, in my opinion, a socialist thing. And we have no need for to be taking our tax dollars and giving them to this workforce development to be given to the governor's supporters, because really that's pretty much all who's going to be benefiting from that particular huge monstrosity of a bill. So if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Fred Birnbaum, legislative director for the Idaho Freedom Foundation. And Fred, there's other things going on in the House. As you said, we got a couple of uh, weeks left in the session. Hopefully we, we wrap up by the end of March, but it might go into April. But there's another bill that just kind of made headline news, and that was the educational choice bill. Tell us a little bit about that. Daniel, I'd love to. So just a few days ago, the Idaho Senate rejected Senate Bill 1038. It was a school choice bill. It was universal, meaning it was open to everyone. It wasn't restricted to some group. And basically what it said is that if you are a parent of a child who is not enrolled or would be willing to disenroll from a public school, meaning either homeschool or private school, you could access, um, it was roughly $6,000. And that was calculated based on the state contribution to the maintenance and operations of public schools. So basically, you're a parent, you pay taxes. If the public school is not working for you, either because of academic issues or you don't like the ideology in the classroom or the sexualization of kids, you could use that money. The money would be managed by the state in the sense that you wouldn't get your hands on it. It would The conduit would be the state to a willing provider. So if you had a private school that said, yes, we're willing to accept students who receive this money, then the state treasury would transfer it. So it was, it was, it had, it was very tight as far as fraud protections, but you didn't just have to use it for tuition. It had a list of approved educational services like tutors and things, but not things like flat screen TVs. So basically educational services and materials, including tuition were available and it was a bill that was written in consultation with a lot of national groups. It was a cutting edge school choice bill. And it was very hard to get a hearing because the governor's against this bill. It was very hard to get it introduced, but it was heard. We had a conservative Senate Education Committee, all new senators. They got it to the floor, two hour debate, and the new senators voted for it. And all the old hands voted against it. And they had various excuses. You know, the bill wasn't defined right, or it was open-ended, or there's no accountability. And they all had their prepared um, excuses to vote no. And the bill went down. The good news is that's all, that debate is available to the public. And 
here's the interesting thing. They said, well, if you give parents this money and they use it to homeschool or go to Nampa Christian or whatever it is, there is no accountability. Yet the public school system in the last 10 years from fiscal 12 to 22, because we don't have the most recent data, that's the most recent we have. We don't obviously have 24 or 23 yet. Those 10 years on a per pupil inflation adjusted basis. So after inflation per pupil, spending's up 24% and results are flat to declining. So they'd say the public school system's accountable, yet it isn't because they've gotten more money and no results. So, so let, me, let me repeat that 24% increase in public school spending per pupil. And inflation a, adjusted. Inflation adjusted, 24% increase, but flatline scores or declining scores. So no increase in production in the classroom, even though they've got a 24% increase inflation adjusted per pupil. Correct. You said it just right. And it's funny because they think that they, the education establishment, they conflate testing and all these plans and all these speeches with accountability. Accountability is performing according to metrics and if you achieve them, you obviously are rewarded or it's pointed out. And if you fail, then you're held accountable. Who in the education bureaucracy has ever lost their job in this state? And you don't even know who they are generally. Who has no. lost their job because of the non-performance? The answer is nobody. No. So that that's that's the push is that, oh, we we have the public schools are accountable. If we gave money to students to go to private schools, they wouldn't be accountable. Wrong premise. Interestingly enough, I saw some stats that given all the increases that we've given to the school systems, about 70 to 80 percent of it goes towards more administrators. So it, we're really just paying some high dollar people to get nice, fancy jobs. And then you have the undercover videos that have been taken in this state where people from out of state have come in to this state done undercover videos talking to people in the Treasure Valley, educators in the Treasure Valley, where they are telling, they're almost laughing that, oh, yeah, we we don't call it CRT anymore. We don't call it a critical race theory. We call it something else. Same topic, same subjects, but it's just got a different name. So, so they're really just playing us. Good point. So there's obviously the academic achievement, and that's very important to parents and their kids. But the other point is a lot of teachers, a lot of people have gone into the teaching profession, either at the administrative level or other levels, are they have a leftist worldview. And you can see this in the development of curriculum. And then even if they're not pushing critical race theory, they're certainly pushing this whole racial agenda, the racialization of everything. And one of the things that we pointed out, and, and we actually did an article on it, so there's been a lot of controversy about sex ed and what you should teach children. And, and we could debate about whether it's appropriate to teach high school students about uh, human sexual behavior. What This is what people don't know. This is very important. It's one thing to say, OK, uh, we're going to teach children or teenagers human sexuality. They're actually promoting homosexual behavior. When you look at the materials in libraries, it shows man-on-man -man sex. I won't get graphic here, but basically a lot of it is homoerotic sex, and we'll just leave that description there. Yeah. So they're not just promoting sexual education. They're actually promoting transgenderism, homosexuality, 
to our children. So they're basically recruiting, if you will, teenagers to join these alternative sexual behaviors. It, it really is grooming. I don't care what the social media platforms try to shut down that word, but it really is grooming. Uh, if you're just joining us, we are talking with Fred Birnbaum with the Idaho Freedom Foundation. You are tuned into KBXL. Keep the Republic. I'm Dr. Daniel Bobinski. want to give a quick shout out also to a couple more of our sponsors. Also, we have uh, Conservatives of. Conservatives of is a political action committee that helps conservative, constitutionally minded Christian folks get elected to office. In fact, there are people serving in our state house right now who are there because of the help of conservatives of. If you'd like to see more conservatives in the state house pushing through good bills so we don't lose things by one vote, uh, please go to conservativesof.com and make a donation. And while you're there, you can say, hey, thanks for sponsoring the Keep the Republic show. Uh, conservativesof.com has been a sponsor of this show since the beginning. Also want to give a shout out to Michael Hahn, realtor, who has been a realtor, gosh, for what, 17, 18 years now, associate broker for commercial and investment properties, real estate development problem solver, out of the box strategic thinker. If you're looking to buy or sell in the Treasure Valley, Southern Idaho, Michael Hahn is the guy you want to get a hold of. You can reach him at idahoinvestmentproperties.com. You can grab a pen and write that one down, idahoinvestmentproperties.com. Or you can reach Michael at 208-939-9033. That's 939-9033. And I thank both of those. I'd like to thank all of our sponsors for helping us stay on the air here on KBXL. We're talking with Fred Birnbaum. And Fred, you mentioned before the break there the... Uh, pornography that we have. That was another bill that just got killed in the education committee in the House. In fact, I've read in multiple papers that Representative Judy Boyle quit the committee as a result. She says, I'm here wasting my time with all these Democrats. <laughs> Tell us what happened there. So very quickly. So there was a bill that was very reasonable and it would ban the presentation of pornographic materials in libraries. So in other words, libraries couldn't have uh, sections that were accessible to kids that had pornographic materials. And there was, uh, I mean, a lot of pushback from librarians. The bottom line is the House Education Committee, yes, they killed a very reasonable bill that was a bill designed to prevent minors in from accessing pornographic materials in libraries. And um, Judy Boyle did say she was going to quit the committee because she felt like this isn't this is an Idaho committee. It's like a San Francisco committee. That's how she was quoted. My understanding so is she did quit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I guess the only issue is, you know, she said it verbally. She's probably got to do it and re reduce it to writing. But I guess the, the issue I want to impart to your listeners, and then we, I'll pivot quickly because I know we're wrapping up, is that the institutions in Idaho, whether they be K through 12, higher ed, these public institutions, don't have and are not promoting values aligned with the average Idahoan. When they promote these things, they're looking to the national institutions, the things that are happening globally, the fads like transgenderism. They're not saying, look, in Idaho, we do not think it's at all appropriate for someone under the age of 18 to have their gender transitions. Just no, you're a minor, you can't drink a beer. The notion that you can go from boy to girl, girl to boy, off the table. 
So in closing, I guess the one thing I'd like to say, we're not getting a lot of traction on property tax relief. I know that's a big subject. And again, part of it is just there hasn't been a lot of leadership from the governor. And, and absent that, you have all these factions. And, and so we're not seeing leadership on education choice. We're not seeing leadership on the pushback on transgenderism and grooming. And we're not seeing leadership on property tax relief. So the governor is AWOL. Things aren't getting done, in part because the legislative leadership really is is amiss and is looking to somebody, but certainly not the voters, for guidance. And absent that, they're really not getting the people's business done. No, no, they're not. And that's a sad, sad thing, especially considering that Idaho has a four to one ratio of Republicans to Democrats. You would think that we would have more people who are aligned with the Constitution voting for what their constituents really want in this state. And it's not happening so sad. Uh, Fred, we're going to have to have you back on the next week or two to talk more about what's happening in the House and in the Senate. This does affect all of us here in the state. And I am thankful that you uh, are there <laughs> and that there are those who spend their time down there staying, keeping track of what these representatives are doing and reporting back to us uh, out here in the community. So thanks again. Fred Birnbaum with Idaho Freedom Foundation, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Daniel. You've been tuned in here to Keep the Republic with Dr. Daniel Obinsky. And I want to encourage you also to check out my Keep the Republic TV show, which is on brighteon.tv on Thursday afternoons. That's brighteon, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N.tv. You can also, by the way, find it if you go to keeptherepublic.us. We download the shows and we re-upload those to our Rumble channel, which you can catch at keeptherepublic.us. US. All right. This is Daniel Wobinski. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next week. Until then, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to Keep the Republic, sponsored by Conservatives of Picture Perfect Window Cleaning, Michael Hahn, Associate Broker with Silver Creek Realty Group, and ThinkExodus.org. Also, please pray for our republic and for godly men and women who will work to keep it.